Today, actually, Thomas Sunday is one of the minor feasts. If we look at sort of the appearances of our Lord Jesus Christ to various people, people had different reactions. Belief in the miracle of the resurrection did not come to the disciples actually right away. The first witnesses of the resurrection were the women, the women carrying the spices, Mary Magdalene, and it was still dark when they brought, they were trying to bring the spices to the cave, the, the, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and they saw that the stone was rolled away and the seal was broken, and they stood there and an angel came and they said, fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, he's not here, he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So it was enough for them, the women, to see the empty tomb and to hear the words of the angel in order for them to believe. They had sensitive and loving hearts that were not sort of touched by doubt. The Gospel of St. Matthew tells us that as they went, they went to go and tell the disciples, and on their way as they were going, our Lord Jesus Christ appeared to them and he said, Rejoice. And so they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. But it says also in the Gospel of St. Mark that the, the apostles did not believe the women. The apostles themselves did not believe the women. And then on the, on the same day in the evening, at night, when our Lord Jesus Christ appeared, he appeared to two more disciples. By tradition, St. Luke and St. Cleopas, they are apostles, part of the 70. And they were walking on the road to Emmaus. And the road is maybe about seven miles. And he's walking the whole time. He's talking to them about um, the scriptures. And he's talking to them about the Messiah and how he has to come and how he has to die. And they only believed actually after he showed them the sacrament of the Eucharist. It says in the Gospel of St. Luke, after it came to pass, as he sat at supper with them, he took bread and blessed it, broke and gave to them, and their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And that same night, St. Luke, St. Cleopas returned to Jerusalem and they told the apostles what happened. But the apostles didn't believe them just like they didn't believe the women. Later on in that evening, our Lord Jesus Christ appealed to the apostles themselves. They were gathered behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jews who were going to persecute them. And the Savior passing through uh, sort of closed doors showed a particular quality of our Lord Jesus Christ's body that was transformed after the resurrection. It's not anymore subject to sort of the laws of the physical world. Our Lord Jesus Christ could pass through material objects. The disciples were very obviously confused. They thought they had seen a spirit. And then it says in the Gospel of St. John that he showed them his hand and his side. And this was important not only to sort of convince him that, they had, that he appeared to them sort of with a body, but in order to sort of completely destroy their unbelief. The Lord allowed them to touch his hands, his feet, his side, the wounds from the nails, proved to them that this is the same person that had been crucified on the cross. And the Gospel says after they had done that, that they were glad when they saw the Lord. It reminds us of what he said earlier before, like before the crucifixion. And we talked about this a little bit on the Feast of the Resurrection itself, where he said, I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no joy, and your joy no man can take from you. This is the joy like we were talking about last week, that our Lord Jesus Christ promised his disciples, which is experienced in the divine presence. The same joy felt by Christians after all these centuries when they participate through the divine worship of the church in the blessings of the kingdom to come, especially in the Eucharist, especially in the Eucharist in communion with His holy body and precious blood. Jesus says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And He also says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in Him. 
Many people struggle during the Holy 50 days. I talked about this a little bit yesterday. And they come and ask, what can I do to benefit from this time? I can't fast. I can't make prostrations. And their spiritual life starts to go down. Here is part of our solution to rejoice in the presence of Christ, just like the disciples did. To attend divine worship in the church to a greater extent maybe than I do during the rest of the year. To attend maybe extra liturgies or extra vespers. To attend earlier than maybe than I'm normally accustomed to. This is how I can participate in the joy of the Lord during this period of time. The events that the readings today are talking about are talking about the eighth day after the resurrection. So the next Sunday after the resurrection. St. Thomas was not present when our Lord Jesus Christ appeared to the rest of the disciples. The apostles seen, saw him and they went to Thomas and they were happy and joyful and they told him about their master and their teacher's resurrection. You can probably assume that they told him how our Lord Jesus Christ allowed them, allowed them to touch his hands, touch his feet, touch the wounds on his side. So that's kind of what makes his own desire understandable. That's why he says, unless I see his hand, in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. St. Thomas's uh, unbelief has nothing to do with sort of being hard-hearted or very stubborn. Like we saw with maybe like the Jewish leaders about the miracle of the resurrection, how they denied it even in the face of very plain facts to them. It was perfectly natural for St. Thomas to want to confirm his faith through an obvious and manifest testimony just like the disciples were lucky to and blessed to see. The resurrected Christ renewed his appearance to the apostles on the eighth day. And he stood before them in the chamber again while the doors were closed. There are plenty of miracles that happen besides our Lord Jesus Christ coming through the doors while they're closed. What was the first thing actually that he said when he walked into the, with the disciples? He said, peace to you. And then he said to, to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. So he answered St. Thomas's doubt with the same exact words that Thomas used to express it. This is a miracle. Can you believe how amazing this must have been to St. Thomas? Right? He says, unless I see and I'm able to put my hands, and then our Lord Jesus Christ says, peace to you, to all the disciples. And the first thing he does is he tells Thomas, come and do exactly what you are asking to do without St. Thomas having to ask. This is probably the reason why the gospel that we read today, if you paid attention, doesn't record St. Thomas actually putting his hands on the wounds. St. Gregory Palamas, one of the church fathers, says in his writings that he didn't even actually touch the Lord, but immediately believed just because of the, the fact that he knew what was in St. Thomas's, Thomas's mind. And he answers and responds right away and says, My Lord and my God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he says to him, Because you have seen and you have believed, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Our Lord Jesus Christ wanted Thomas to come to him by faith. Faith, St. Paul tells us, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. People sometimes, I hear this a lot, people are sad about the fact that they didn't live in the time of the apostles, when it would have been maybe possible for us to see for ourselves and talk face to face with our Lord Jesus Christ incarnate. In the minds of many of us, this would constitute real, tangible proof of God's existence and sort of alleviate any doubts about God. But I would challenge you to think, would that really do what you think it would do? The people of Israel prepared for 2,000 years 
for the incarnation of the Messiah. Miracles were performed by him in the midst of all the people. But in the end, those who sort of heard and saw Jesus for themselves were the ones wound up saying, away with him, crucify him. And there was only a few individuals who stood with him at the foot of the cross. So you have to really wonder seriously if things would have been any different if I was given that chance to be in that place. Regardless of how and when our Lord Jesus Christ chooses to reveal himself, it's always possible because of freedom, because of free will, because of sin, to explain away revelation. When Christ reveals himself to us, when God reveals himself to us, we can, if we want to, explain it away. So what I'm trying to emphasize is that the historical period where we may live makes no difference as far as our relationship with Christ or our ability to know the truth and to live by faith. We have the mystical body of Christ, the church's sacramental liturgical life, and the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with us always. We're blessed with examples, testimonies, and the presence of countless saints who've gone before us. We're actually literally still living in apostolic times, if I consider those things. So it seems maybe a little bit as though we're missing the mark if we sort of start to demand from God or from ourselves objective, factual knowledge in terms of proof before we can come to faith. At some point, a leap of faith has to be required. Because like I said a minute ago, even concrete evidence can always be dis like discarded or let go if that's what I want to do, if that's what I intend to do. Once we have that leap of faith, once we've made that leap of faith, there is no need or there is no lack of proof. But without this faith, no amount of knowledge, no amount of evidence is going to be enough. There are always going to be room for doubt. Opportunities for the wisdom of man to deny what's so plain and so simple to everyone who has really truly found the narrow path that leads to life. Some of the church fathers call this Sunday, the eighth day, the Sunday after the resurrection, the first week after Easter, renewal week. On this Sunday, our Lord Jesus Christ, like I said previously, repeated and renewed for all the 11 disciples his appearance on the first day after the resurrection. But because the renewal of our Lord Jesus Christ's appearance was especially for the sake of St. Thomas, we also call it Thomas Sunday. St. Gregory, actually the theologian, he writes, The law of honoring the day of renewal is ancient and of good intent. Or it would be better to say, to honor with the day of renewal a new act of goodness. But was not the first day of resurrection the Sunday which followed the holy and light-bearing night, the day of renewal? Why is that name given to the present day? That day was the day of salvation, talking about Easter, and this day is the day of remembrance of salvation. So today, and as we go through the rest of the Holy 50 Days, is the remembrance of the resurrection, a remembrance of our salvation. May we keep in strong faith, just like St. Thomas, the promise and the hope of the resurrection, and glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen.